Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. A call to remember. As we look to this Memorial Day weekend, a time of remembering for many of us. But uh, let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8. We'll read the whole chapter. It says, And the commandments, all the commandments which I command thee this day, shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness, to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee, and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Thy raiment wax not old upon thee, neither did thy foot swell these forty years. Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks of water and fountains and depths that spring out of valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil, olive, and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness. Thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, and out of whose hill thou mayest dig brass. When thou, wast, when thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the, good ne- for the good land which he hath given thee. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest when thou hast eaten and art full, and hast built goodly houses and dwelt therein, And when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the law, the Lord thy God, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint, who fed thee in the wilderness with manna which thy fathers knew not, that he might humble thee, and that he might prove thee, to do thee good at thy latter end. And thou say in thine heart, My power and the might of mine own mine hand hath gotten me this wealth. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do at all forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them, I testify against you this day that ye shall surely perish. As the nations which the Lord destroyed before your face, so shall ye perish, because ye would not be obedient unto the voice of the Lord your God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for thy word. We thank you for this time now in the course of our service where we stop and we sit at thy feet. We open our hearts, I trust each of us this morning, to be yielded vessels in thy hands, 
that you may take your word now and drive it deep into our hearts, that the truths that are here, the teachings that you have for us, would be drawn forth and lived. That, Father, where correction is necessary, correction would be made in our hearts. Where encouragement is needed, may that be as well. But, Father, all that, as believers who are gathered here, that Christ's likeness would be drawn closer in us. Father, we pray for that soul that is here that may be lost. May they truly come to know Christ as their Savior. May they know the forgiveness of sin, the new life that is found in Christ. And, Father, walk out of here a new creature in Christ. Do that work of grace with thy word, that the Holy Spirit who is present would do the work that he's been called to do, Father, to guide us, to teach us, to convict and convince of sin and of righteousness and of judgment to come. We thank you for what you will accomplish in each of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. A call to remember, Memorial Day, a day for remembering those who have died in battle protecting our country. I didn't ask earlier, but do any of us have a family or a loved one, a friend that we know that have, has given their full measure of devotion to our country? Okay. I usually don't find too many that have actually a, a loved one that has served that gave their full measure. But uh, always something to remember, because that's what we're remembering this weekend, is those that have given their life in defense of our country. We have over 240 years of battles that have been fought uh, to get us our country to begin with, and then to secure it and keep it. And uh, certainly a time to reflect and, and thank the Lord for those that willingly give themselves. It is truly interesting that we have a country where except for times when drafts were incorporated and brought to bear, many of these who gave their lives voluntarily served our country. I think of my dad. He's still living. He voluntarily served our country for 20 years. The country didn't call on him and said, yes, you're up. It's time for you to go. We don't have compulsory service. Some countries do. There's some, some merit to that. Israel does. You graduate from high school, you give three years of your life in the military. Considering their nation and the animosity that's there, it certainly makes sense that uh, it is compulsory uh, military service. Uh, their lives depend on it. Uh, but most of, many of ours, you know, they did it voluntarily. And uh, I salute them for it. You know, I considered it myself, uh, but the Lord had other directions. But may we remember them. Uh, we were traveling out, uh, going down Talbot when they were putting the flags out in the vet's uh, cemetery. And it reminded us, yes, Memorial this weekend is here. And uh, thinking of those who are buried there. And thank the Lord and them for their service. And uh, so may we do so. But uh, we have much that we could never repay. I mean, how do you repay someone who's given their life for you? Except to live in the freedoms that they have secured for us. What a joy to have those. May we not forget them. And uh, as talked about this morning, may we pay it forward, uh, inculcating into the next generation the freedoms that we have and enjoy.
But our Bible speaks and talks much of remembering as well. Former things. Joshua's commanded to make a memorial of stones from the middle of Jordan when the Israelites came into the land in the beginnings of Joshua as he takes them in. And they cross the Jordan River and he reminds and commands 12 men, one from each tribe, to take a stone out of the middle of the Jordan River. And once they crossed, they planted those 12 stones and created a pillar so that those that would see it would remember what God had done. Not only brought them across the Jordan, but brought them into the promised land that he had promised to them. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and in Luke, particularly chapter 22, in the recount of the Lord's Supper, we have communion that is outlined as a time of remembering what Christ did on the cross of Calvary for our sins. And we'll take time next Sunday, as the Lord tarries and spares us, to remember that sacrifice for sin that Christ accomplished on the cross. It is always a, a time in, at, throughout our lives when it is good to stop, reflect, and remember. We get so busy in our lives often that we forget to stop and look and remember. But I trust that we will do so. And I turn our attention to this passage Moses is talking to the children of Israel. We, I trust, know the background. This is the second giving of the law. That's what Deuteronomy means. The word literally is the second law. He is giving it to them again because 40 years have gone since they have left Egypt. We know the story. The preceding generation was rebellious. They had stood at the threshold of the promised land sent 12 spies into that land who went around for 40 days to look it over and bring back word. And 10 of those spies says, said, we cannot do this. There's giants in this land and we look like grasshoppers in their sights. There's walled cities. We can't do this. Now, I must agree with them. They were correct. They, in their own strength, could not do it. But that's where they left it. So they were incorrect. Because God had promised them that land. And we know, again, I trust the story, Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that said, no, we can because God's with us. God is the one that has given us this land. It is a land that flows with milk and honey. They brought, it must have been an amazing thing to have two men carry back a cluster of grapes between them because it took two men to carry the cluster of grapes. I've seen clusters of grapes. I've, Central Washington is full of vineyards. You can't help but drive the roads and see them. There is, you know, you, if you close your eyes, you're going to wreck. So there, you can't close your eyes to them. They're there. Saw some along the way when we came back Thursday with the piano coming up the east side of, of the lake. Saw some vineyards along the way, a lot of cherry orchards as well. But I've never seen a cluster of grapes that it would take two men to carry. And yet that's what they did. An amazing land. And we see it blossoming again as the Israelites are there uh, 
reclaiming it. But those two men reminded them of who could conquer the land. The God that promised it to them. But their words were to no avail. And now that generation has died off. God said, fine, then it's going to be a year for each day that they were gone. You're going to wander around for 40 years until those that are 20 years old and older die off. And so now he's dealing with that new generation. So besides himself and uh, Joshua and Caleb, who are all over 60 years old, the oldest person in attendance is 60 years old. Everybody else is younger. And he's reminding them, because many of them would have not been around when he first gave the law when they went to Mount Sinai. They've been born since then. And he's re-giving the law and recounting and remembering. God brought us here. God's been feeding us along the way with manna. What is it? That's, that's what the word is. What is it? That's what manna means. What is it? They didn't know what it was. As reminded elsewhere in the scriptures, it's angel's food. Interesting. Every morning, six days out of the week, it was there for them to pick up. Water out of the rock when they needed water. Quail provided for them. Your garments, as we read here, didn't wax old. That's something. Have something for 40 years? I'm old enough to have had something 40 years old in my wardrobe. I think I can safely say I have nothing from when I went off to high school or, or went off to college. I have nothing that I wore when I was 20 years old. Those things have long, <laughs> have long gone. They've been worn out. Nothing there. God's reminding you, your clothes didn't wear out. You had them for 40 years. Your feet didn't swell. You didn't have problems. Because how did they get around? They walked. They wandered around the Sinai Peninsula for 40 years. All these things, and God's reminding them of how he took care of them. It was bringing them to the land of promise. And he wants them to remember, because as they remember what God has done, it causes them to look forward to what God will do when they get into the land of promise. Because the same God that brought them to this point is the same God that will lead them and continue to be there to guide them and direct them and help them. So I trust that we will take time to remember. Remember the leading of the Lord, first of all. Verses 1 and 2, as, as Moses writes, he reminds them to remember the leading of the Lord. It says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness. Remember what God has done to bring you to this point. 
Here they are standing on the east side in what we know as Jordan today. Standing on the east side of the Jordan River, looking over into that promised land. Getting ready soon to cross that river. He's causing them to stop and remember the leading of the Lord. Remember how God has watched over you. Israel stood there before and doubted. And I say stood there before, not in that literal spot, but stood there on the threshold of the promised land looking at it, and they doubted. And it caused them 40 years of humbling, of learning, of this generation that's standing there watching their parents and grandparents, for those that are old enough, to have rebelled during that same 40 years. To hear them grumble and complain for 40 years, for some of them. I am amazed always when I read of Moses and how he led these people. He has much more patience with people than I do. But he led them, as rebellious as they were, as stiff-necked as God reminds them. But here they are. Remember those things. It is sad to see in our day that the cancel culture that is going on. It's, it's sad enough to realize that many people don't know the history of our nation. Do we have warts, if you will, blemishes on our history? Sure we do. Because it is made up of men and women who are sinners. Men and women who have done things wrong, just as our current generation. We are a bunch of sinners. And it is sad to not know the past. And it is even worse then to try to cancel it. Let's take down those statutes. Let's remove the names off of places. Let's change the name of this elementary school, this high school. Let's remove that. Why? Because we don't like what they did back then. So let's just remove it. We remove it all, we're not going to be able to remember where we came from. Say, but it's not what it is that we are today. Well, that's true. You know, we did abolish slavery. Doesn't mean that it made our land perfect. It's a work in progress, always will be. Because we're all a work in progress. But they remember the leading of the Lord. I would have to say, you look at our history, do we not see the leading of the Lord within our own history? I'm sorry, I can't help but see the leading of the Lord. It's a wonder that we are a nation to begin with. Somehow those rambunctious colonists 
were able to hold off the great British Empire and bring them to their knees and get a surrender by Cornwallis? That's amazing. I still stand in awe of how that happened. Who but God could have done that? I'm sorry, who but God could have done that? We see these things over and over again through the history of our country. That same country would come back in a couple decades and try to take over the colonies. And it didn't work in 1812. We fought a civil war. We fought amongst ourselves to secure freedoms. We have fought foreign battles. We have domestic problems that we at times think are too serious to solve and yet we've been able to work through them. At times I wonder if we will work through the current problems. It seems as though our country is getting seriously divided to the point of an unwillingness to reconcile. At least one side is. It's my way or no way. Well, that doesn't work within a vast democracy. It's not one way or no way. And yet, who can bring us through these things? Our God can. God is indeed the one is at work. He has led, he led the Israelites, he has led, I believe, our nation. We've seen times of refreshing coming from the presence of the Lord. We call them the great awakenings. When God did a mighty work through his people, may we always remember that the awakening is the awakening of us. We're the ones that are Alive in Christ. It is a reviving of us. The sinner is lost. He's dead in trespasses and sins. He's got to be vived first before he can be revived. You revive something that has had life and for some reason has not had life for a moment. The lost person is a lost person. They need to be vibed. They need to see what a life in Christ is like. That's where we come in. Our hearts need to be refreshed and renewed and strengthened. But may we remember the leading of the Lord. And think of that even on a personal level. How God has brought us to the place that we are now. And truly rejoice at what God has been doing in our lives. Have there been times of hardships along the way? I don't think there's anyone here that has any years of life on them that would say, you know what, my life has been a bed of roses. It has been smooth sailing. There's been not a problem. I don't know of anybody that has a Christian life like that. 
every Christian that I have ever met, we start talking about our lives, we talk about the hardships that have come through, but we're noting that God brought us through them. God was there. And he brought us through. Yes, we've had hard times because that's life. God didn't promise us a bed of roses. He promised us a life with him. That makes those times of testings and trials a blessed time because he's with us. Verses 5 and 6, we see a time to remember the chastening of the Lord. Says, thou shalt consider, thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. We should consider. Yes, has God chastened us? I believe he's chastened us as a nation. I know he's chastened me as an individual. May we remember those times, because they're times of correction. And correction is always good. The writer of Hebrews reminds us of this as well, kind of relates to this in chapter 12, verses 5 through 7. And ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Now none of us like chastening. The writer of Hebrews will go on to say, you know, when our fathers chastened us, it was grievous. It hurt, yes. It's meant to. It's meant to get our attention. The direction you are going is wrong. And our parents loved us when they brought that corrective measure to us. That's the wrong way. Let's get out of it and move in the right way. God does the same thing because we're his children. So we should remember the chastening of the Lord and rejoice and thank the Lord for it because if you're not chastened, he will go on to say, you're an illegitimate son. If you're not being chastened by the Lord, then you need to question whether you are a son or not. You say, well, pastor, yeah, that's what the Bible speaks of. If a person is not walking in the ways of the Lord, it's obvious that they're not serving the Lord. They're walking in rebellion to him, and there's no chastening. But they call themselves a believer. We need to get their attention and say, if, if you're a believer, uh, you need, we need to check up on this. Because this kind of life, this kind of living in sin doesn't work with Christianity. If there's no chastening, then you need to talk to the Lord about this. We look at our country, we see truly God's been merciful and gracious. Should we not see the chastening hand of the Lord upon us for the things that we have going on? Sure we should. 
the moral collapse, the abortion, drugs and alcohol, all these things that just fly in the face of our God? To me, it is a wonder that the nation is still here. And I realize we don't have the promises of Israel. We can look through those things, but those are all promises to Israel. You live for me as you're supposed to. We don't have those promises as a nation. But we as a nation should be acknowledging the God of heaven. Because he is the God of heaven. He is the one that allowed this nation to come into being. And he is the one that sustains this nation to this day. We've been reminded of that in our Daniel study. It is God who lifts men up. And it is that same God who takes them down. And we've seen that. And Nebuchadnezzar understood that very vividly and acknowledged such. May we call to remember the chastening of the Lord and thank him for it getting our lives in line with his word. Verses 7 through 20, we see lastly, to remember the faithfulness of the Lord as he lays it out, all that he's done. This is all that I've done for you as you have gone through the wilderness. I have given you wealth. I have given you prosperity. I have given you food. I have sustained you. I have taken care of your enemies. I have been there for you, Israel. We can stop and look at the faithfulness of our God upon our own nation and look at how we see what has happened. As we look at the abundant wealth, if you will, the bountiful harvest. I remember when we moved up to, to Washington State, and remember hearing in some of the newspapers, reading that the central part of the state with the dryland farming had years worth of wheat harvests sitting. Just sitting there. They had produced more wheat than they could use. And that was just Washington State. You say, well, that was kind of unwise on the farmer's part. You know, I, I, I can't go into that part of just realizing that they had not only this year's harvest, but they had other year's harvest just sitting there. They had more than they knew what to do with. I mean, we feed the world, if you will. We've had protections and blessings of our freedom. We look at World War II, and again, I, I truly am, am awed at the providential working of God in those dark days. I wasn't there, but I've read enough to know that God's hand was at work. Some things just don't make sense unless you put God in the picture. 
Because the outcome should, from a human standpoint, have been far different. And yet here we are not speaking German today. Or Japanese, since we're closer to that side of the continent. How is it? Because God's been faithful. Believers. We are here now because of the faithfulness of our God. Does it mean that we were perfect along the way? Oh, no. We, like the children of Israel, could look at times of rebellion in our lives, and we've been chastened. We can look back and see the blessings of God in our lives as well. And in all those things, may we thank the Lord that He was there, that He provided. May we remember. As we remember, may we thank Him. Yes, for the chastening. Yes, for the blessings. It's a whole package. We need it all. And he's always been there for us. It's always a reflection on who our God is. Not on what we've done. And we read this chapter, it's not about what the Israelites did, is it? It's not about them. Believers, our lives are not about us. Our lives are about our God and what he has done for us and what he is doing for us and what he has waiting for us because of who he is and what he has accomplished. When we keep that perspective, we certainly have a time of rejoicing in our remembrance because we serve and live for our great God. He sent his son to die on the cross in our place. He brought us that message so that we would respond in faith believing that he died for my sins. And then he sustains me in that new life in him. May we take time to remember and thank the Lord for all that he is to us, both in the past, in the present, and rest assured in any future that he has for us in the days to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for thy word. We thank you for this remembrance that Moses called the Israelites to in their day. Father, may we in our day Take time as we have this Memorial Day weekend. Father, time when we remember those who have given the full measure of their devotion and sacrifice of their very lives to ensure the freedoms, to ensure that this country will continue on. Father, truly we thank you for that sacrifice as we 
drive by the cemeteries today and the days to come and see the flags flying. Father, reminding us that there lay a man or a woman who gave their lives to secure and to maintain our nation. We thank you for that great sacrifice. Father, we also thank you for that great sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ, who came and lived on this earth, dwelt among us as a man, and Father, gave his life for me. He gave his life for all mankind because we are sinners, condemned in our own sin before you, a just and holy God. And Father, he became our substitute for that sin. He took upon himself our sin. And Father, truly we thank you for that. Now may we live for you to the full measure of our lives. Father, I pray that as we think on those things in these days, may it truly cause us to bless you. As the hymn writer reminds us, count your blessings, Father, a time of stopping and remembering what you've done. And Father, truly will bring a, a joyful heart because we're looking at your workings, not ours. And that always brings joy. Father, we thank you for the times of chastening. They've been grievous, yes. But Father, they've been so necessary to get us back in the right path. To correct the wrong actions and attitudes. And brought us back into a joyful submission to thee. May we rejoice even in those times. For you have spared our lives and you have kept us here to live for you further. You're not done with us yet. May we understand that. And Father, may we live for you to the fullest of our capacities. Father, watch over us this day. May we go forth in thy grace and strength to live a life pleasing to thee, to see Christ lived out in us in a fuller measure. There is a world lost in sin that needs the Savior which we possess. May they see him in us as we go from this place this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.